Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the regular meeting of the Multnomah County Board of Commissioners. Commissioner Stegman is excused today, and Commissioner Myron is attending virtually. Audience members, I want to start by asking you to please silence your electronic devices. I would also like to remind people that in addition to the folks in this room, we have people watching and listening online. Please consider your language in comments and testimony today. Today's meeting is a hybrid board meeting. Some presenters and guests will appear in person and some will appear virtually. For those presenting virtually, please mute your mic when not speaking. When presenting, make sure to unmute your mic and turn on your camera. For all presenters, please state your name for the record before speaking or responding to questions. May I have a motion on the consent calendar? So moved. Second. Commissioner Brim Edwards moves. Commissioner Beeson seconds. Approval of the consent calendar. Commissioner Beeson? Yes. Commissioner Brim Edwards? Yes. Chair Vega Peterson? Yes. Okay. Uh, opportunity for public comment on non agenda matters. Sorry. So, um, Commissioner Myron is not on yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, correct, correct. Okay. Um, and then, did you ask me? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, Chair Vega Peterson. Aye. The consent calendar is approved. Pardon me. <laughs> Opportunity for public comment on non-agenda matters. This is the time for the board to hear public testimony, not for board delibera deliberation. When it is your turn to speak, I'll call your name and unmute you, or call your name or call you to the presenter's table. I'll set a timer for two minutes when you begin speaking and announce when your time is up, at which point please wrap up your sentence. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, the folks online. We have two virtual. Um, one second. Tim uh, McCormick, I'm gonna go ahead and unmute you. You just have to unmute on your end, and you may begin. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Good morning, Chair Peterson, commissioners. My name is Tim McCormick. I'm the manager of Alternative Shelter Network, also of the National Village Collaborative Group, and was a member of the supergroup led by Commissioner Myron, known as the Village People, last year. I'm also currently a vehicle resident in Portland. I'm here to give an update and make a request regarding the county-funded micro-villages project allocated $900,000 this fiscal year ending June 30th. Specifically, the micro-village expansion project, a $220,000 contract that's part of it to support research and development and community organizing. That contract calls for supporting and collaborating with the Community Alternative Shelter Network, which as I said, I manage as in owning and administering all of its assets, which are the community forum, website, and social media channels. You can find those by the way, just by Googling Alternative Shelter Network. Now, after two years of working on that network and this funding being awarded, what I'm finding and experiencing, unfortunately, is what I would have to at this point describe with great frustration as an almost relentless campaign to exclude me from a role in or support from this project and to undermine the work and in a sense dispossess me from my role in this project. What I've also seen is that the project team uh, on this seems to be steadily narrowing uh, from the original funded and stated NOFA program goals by backing away from doing comparative or evaluative research or for actually implementing or developing the community hub, which we already have going. So 
Um, my ask here is that you ask Dan Field at JOHS or perhaps directly the Alternative Shelter Program Specialist, Jenny Greedberg, to guide this MVE project back to original goals to truly support and collaborate with the people that long have been and are currently doing the work at Alternative Shelter Network, particularly with its living experience leadership, which is here today ready to move this forward and to work on this. Time Thank is you. up. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Addie Smith. Um, Addie, you're unmuted on my end. You just have to go ahead and unmute on your end, and you may begin. Can you see me? Um, I, I can hear you. Where is my, where's my picture? Um, there, there's no camera for public testimony. You have two minutes. There's no, since when? Usually I'm, I, there's a video that I can see of myself. No, I'm sorry, there's no video for public testimony. Okay, hmm, okay. Um, sorry, sorry about that. I, I, last night I spoke before the Oregon State Legislature on House Bill 4002, and I wanted to make sure that my thoughts on um, that bill were related to you guys as well, even though you guys don't technically make a decision on it, but I know you're friends with the people in the Oregon State Legislature. Those are people just like you guys that we, the, the voters, vote for and put in office to do a particular job. And then when you guys get in office, you do something alternative to the things that we, the people, told you needed to be done when we voted for you, the things that you, um, did your campaign on and you get in office and you make friends with people like multifamily northwest who is a completely corrupt organization and you change your path and we haven't changed ours i want to speak just a little bit not just about uh, house bill 4002 which needs to be voted no on and you guys need to call them and say hey we've got people calling us telling us to tell you guys to vote no on that but you guys also need to do something about multifamily Northwest. They have put on the leases that go to hundreds of thousands of people in Multnomah County and across the state of Oregon, a new uh, little single line that's about five fonts. And it is called, and it is called the uh, waiver of your right to a jury trial. Judges like those in Multnomah County and in Washington County are specifically notoriously racist and biased against tenants. And that law prevents people from being able to choose a jury trial to help them in matters uh, concerning eviction. You guys need to do something about Multifamily Northwest and all the landlords that support this because it is hidden is up. in a 20-page lease. Thank you. Um, next, we have testimony in person. I'll call four people up at a time. Please have a seat at the dais. Injured and pissed off, Carly Reeder, Nancy Becker, and Mark Howard Fenton. Please come forward. My name's Injured and Pissed Off, and I talked in January 4th, and the 11th was the last time that I spoke just before the ice storm. And I was saying at the end of the speech that the 
snow was a four-letter word, and colitis. Uh, uh, I uh, had to go to the hospital, the 22nd uh, Legacy Hospital. Whoops, this one is Legacy. And uh, the 23rd, when I got home, that uh, the next uh, evening, I went in somewhere around six by ambulance and, and then uh, got home by taxi uh, late in the morning. And uh, I wasn't feeling well enough and I sat in the lobby and, and after a while another gentleman came down and sat by me, a, a chair or a distance from me and we were sitting there and all of a sudden uh, a couple had a dispute in the lobby and I called the uh, Portland Police Department uh, 911 because uh, she was throwing a phone and uh, I mean it really got to be assault and battery and uh, when I told the police officer my name, injured and pissed off, he hung up on me. Nobody came. Now I'm kind of disappointed with that. The elevator doesn't work for the last couple of months. Uh, there's only one elevator and now the police won't even come when there's an, a situation of bodily harm. Thank, Thank you. you. Good morning. I find that distressing. Good morning. Mr. Fenton, you can begin. <clears throat> Good morning. My name is Mark Fenton, and I'm a member of Congregation Havarosh Shalom and a resident of Multnomah County, and I'm speaking here as a member of the Oregon J Street Executive Committee. I have family and friends in Israel and have been there many times, including parts of the country where Hamas conducted its October 7th invasion and massacred Israelis. I would like to express our concern for any resolution calling for Israel alone to issue an, a, a ceasefire. We see this as divisive and unworkable approach and urge the commission not to put a one-sided resolution up for a vote. Endorsing a resolution that is not perceived as fair and just to all factions of the community is divisive and not helpful to mending the many rifts in our community. This is a complex and long-standing foreign policy issue that will require high-level diplomacy from the United States and, metal, and, and, other middle, and many Middle Eastern countries working with Israel, Hamas, and the Palestinian Authority. The situation changes daily and virtually any statement today will be out of will be out of date shortly. J Street sees the war as horrible. Israel, Hamas, and the Palestinian Authority should make every effort as soon as possible towards the creation of two states for two peoples. We support a cessation of violence and endorse the use of diplomacy to offer a resolution that will provide peace, justice, and a lasting secure future for all people uh, in Palestine and Israel. And I urge you to consider the resolution that the Multnomah County Democrats passed several weeks ago that they refer to as a call for peace. We think that's a good approach. Thank you. Good morning. Hi, uh, Madam Chair and members of the Board of Commissioners. My name is Nancy Becker. 
I've lived in Multnomah County for almost 50 years. I'm the chair of the Oregon chapter of J Street and just recently completed a three-year term on the national board. I'm here to talk about a resolution that may be before the board later this month. I belong to a local synagogue and have many ties to the Jewish community. My parents were refugees from Nazi Germany and the survival of the Jewish people has been a motivating force in my life, as has been engaging in the fight for justice for Palestinian people. Many in my family ended up stateless in Palestine J Street is a national organization that works to promote peace and justice in Israel and Palestine, essentially with the goal of two states for two peoples living in peace. We work with Congress and our elected representatives. The majority of our congressional delegation are endorsed by J Street. We have over 1,500 members in Multnomah County and many more in the Tri-County area. We normally stay out of local issues, but the Gaza War has pulled in many local activists and local governments around the country. The result has been a slew of divisive statements that have no impact on U.S. foreign policy and serve mainly to divide well-meaning people. Recently, the Multnomah County Democrats worked hard to craft a resolution that calls for an immediate halt to hostilities free flow of humanitarian aid, peace negotiations, and the release of hostages and international oversight over the end of the conflict. I urge you to consider this resolution that has already been crafted by and passed by the precinct committee people of Multnomah County. It's my belief that this call for peace is forceful, fair, and does not fan the flames of hatred and vindictiveness. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have uh, Zia Labov, Whale Al-Asadi, uh, Patricia Kuhlberg, and Ann Turner. Thank you. My name is Zia Labov, and I am here as a local Jewish community organizer to urge you to pass the upcoming ceasefire resolution. To Commissioner Stegman, we say thank you for demonstrating the moral courage to introduce a ceasefire resolution and sharing your meaningful comments on the need for us all to act as global citizens and speak out against injustice. To the other commissioners, I hope you will support Commissioner Stegman in this work as taking a stance against genocide and apartheid should not be controversial. It is not complicated. It is about standing on the side of human rights. In fact, the Multnomah County Board has already set the precedent as in 1982, this board passed a resolution to divest from corporations during doing business with South Africa during its racist apartheid regime. And we are asking you now to vote in line with your values and legacy against genocide. For decades, vast numbers of US Jews have advocated that it is not inherently anti-Semitic to be anti-Zionist, nor to condemn the government of Israel or the billions of taxpayer dollars that our government sends there. Now, since October, we are emphasizing that it is not anti-Semitic to call for a ceasefire. The Israeli government claims that their genocidal actions are necessary for Jewish safety, but our safety will never come from the oppression of another. Apartheid, occupation, and genocide will never make us safe. I feel my Jewish ancestors screaming at what is being done in our name and at watching the cycle of violence repeat itself. To watch Judaism with its strong principles of justice and building a better world be stolen and weaponized by Israel to enact such devastation upon Palestinians is despicable. That is why myself and countless other Jews are here to say not in our name will we let the geno genocide of our ancestors justify further genocide. 
It is critical that this board expeditiously passes a ceasefire resolution as the situation for Gazans worsens daily. Israel is only able to perpetuate the genocide in Gaza through the funding and endorsement of our government. We need our local governments to apply pressure to our federal government to stop supporting this genocide, especially with our tax dollars. Gaza cannot wait. I hope you will leave a legacy in office, not with complicity in genocide, but by standing on the right side of history. Vote yes on the ceasefire resolution. Thank you. Good morning. Hello, my name is Y.L. Alasadi. I live in Breadwent, Darlington, neighborhood in Southeast, uh, with my spouse and three children. I'm here today in honor of my grandmother, Haifel Hajaisa, who along with 750,000 others of her generation fled their homes in Palestine in terror as Israeli forces rained death from the sky. Not today, in 1948. She passed away three days before October 7th at the age of 86, never having been allowed to return to her home. I'm here to honor their history and the 75 years of ongoing oppression, occupation, and ethnic cleansing that the Palestinian people have suffered, which is too often erased and acknowledged in our short-term news cycles. I'm here today on behalf of the over 12,000 children murdered in Gaza in the past 125 days, the highest death rate of children in any modern conflict. I'm here today because too many of those small, lifeless bodies look like my Rayan and my Zena. I'm here today because the slaughter could not continue for another minute without the billions of military aid that this government provides to Israel and the weak statements of our leaders. I'm here today for six-year-old Wadia stabbed 26 times in Chicago for being Palestinian, for Hisham, Kanaan, and Tahseen shot in Vermont for wearing a kufiyah, for Nazar, a Palestinian father who yesterday was dragged out of his car and stabbed for going to a ceasefire resolution. I'm here because staying silent while genocide happens abroad, breeds hatred and violence here at home that targets all of us. Over 70 cities have passed resolutions. The silence of our local government is deafening. Netanyahu yesterday said that, and I am ending here, said they will keep on going till total victory. We need strong statements and actions for our children. Good morning. Uh, good morning, you hear me? Um, good morning, and thank you for this opportunity to testify about fossil fuel risk bonds. I'm Dr. Patricia Kohlberg, and I served for two decades as the medical director for the County Health Department. I am also here on behalf of Physi uh, Physicians for Social Responsibility. I want to thank you for the many steps you've already taken to protect our community from the hazards created by fossil fuel corporations. Because of your work, we now understand better than ever the catastrophic nature of the risks we face. In a more just and rational society, our community would have the power ourselves to decide that storing fossil fuel on seismically unstable land at the CEI hub presents an unsustainable risk to our lives and our environment. In a better world, we would have the right 
to force the removal of fossil fuel storage to safer ground, but that is not the world we live in. Prevention is always the best choice. Instead, what we contemplate is post-disaster mitigation. Fossil fuel risk bonds are a time-honored mechanism that could close the loopholes in current regulations that permit companies to walk away from their disasters without paying the full price for cleanup. They might work to compel the industry to assume liability up front. They might even speed up the process of seismic upgrades at the tank farm, a process beset by a lot of corporate foot dragging. Risk bonding raises the cost of doing business. It cuts into profits. How seismically prepared a company is partly determines what they would have to pay. Perhaps, in conjunction with public outrage and the few regulatory pressures we can bring to bear, companies will be moved to clean up their act more quickly. In the absence of our ability to outright compel the removal of this incredible disaster in the waiting, I would urge you to support the um, strategy of risk bonding to at least recover costs from those who are responsible. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Good morning, Chair Vega-Peterson and commissioners. My name is Dr. Ann Turner, and I'm a retired physician and also a member of Oregon Physicians for Social Responsibility. Two years ago, Multnomah County commissioned a report to understand the impacts of fuel releases from the CEI hub due to a Cascadia subduction zone earthquake and found that fuel re releases would be of the same magnitude as the deep water horizon spill. So based on your report, I urge you to take the next step and pass a resolution requiring that companies operating in the CEI hub purchase risk bonds. They will not prevent this inevitable disaster, but they will protect taxpayers and Multnomah County from the up to $2.6 billion in costs of cleaning up the almost unimaginable damage to our environment that includes low-income surrounding neighborhoods, our beloved Forest Park, and the Willamette River. So besides protecting taxpayers' risk bonds, as Dr. Kohlberg pointed out, are a way to financially incentivize companies to expedite upgrades to their 70 to 100-year-old tanks. Toxic fumes evaporating, uh, from evaporating petrochemicals and inevitable explosions and fires are likely to make it too dangerous to allow emergency personnel in the area. These pollutants harm human health, causing asthma, exacerbating chronic respiratory illnesses like COPD. They're associated with increased risk of strokes, cancer, low birth weight babies, and premature birth. I know that you have many urgent and demanding issues on your plate, but passing a risk bond resolution is a win for Multnomah County and its residents, putting the burden of the cost of a CEI disasters on the companies responsible for it. Thank you for all you are doing for Multnomah County and for the opportunity to comment. Thank you. Next we have Jen, Carly uh, Ryder, Charles Johnson, and Lightning. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. 
I'm Bridgeman Charles Simka Johnson, and uh, please, in your role as just politicians uh, here in what's supposedly a progressive, uh, humane, human rights-oriented metro area, consider your political colleague, Senator Jeff Merkley, who represents the entire state, uh, including many red counties full of uh, Christian Zionists and whatever, and he has the courage to say the obvious, that blowing away tens of thousands of Gazans is not a path forward to any kind of increase uh, for human dignity in the Israel-Palestine situation. You can feel comfortable knowing that Senator Merkley has good advisors, has thought this through, and that regardless of what other people want to say about the complicated nuances, the simple math of a death toll that uh, we have, and also the context of uh, a sociopathic fascist named Benjamin Netanyahu does not care about the return of the hostages or the welfare of the hostages. So we can't really both sides Hamas and tell them, Hamas, you have to ignore the fact that the Prime Minister of Israel is interested in continued violence against the Palestinian people. Uh, so uh, as we move forward, I hope that next week we'll have some simple language. Uh, you know, it's not your job here to resolve what some people want to say is a complicated situation. It's your job to speak with moral clarity and say this insane level of disproportionate killing has to stop and cannot be funded by the United States. Um, more locally, um, we've had some nice journalism lately by Shane Dixon-Kavanaugh and Jeremiah Hayden as we talked uh, last week about the fentanyl emergency. It's unclear how we're counting this, so I don't know whether we're in day 10 Thank you, Charles. Seven, but uh, we'd like some progress reports on that emergency. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Good morning, Jen. And we have turned your mic down lower. Pardon me? We turned your mic down lower as you requested. The sensitivity down? Yes. Does that, does, that, does that mean the sensitivity has increased? You can go ahead and begin, and, and Marina has taken care of the making sure that we're picking up what you're saying. I, okay, I hope that means that the sensitivity has increased. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Jen, a seventh generation Oregonian on one side. I've lived in this region my whole life. I have contributed and currently contribute in vetted endeavors with local community to co-create livability for the most vulnerable and most impacted. My health, my health involves neurology. Uh, autoimmunology, trauma, weathering from childhood and health emergencies. I don't want to be public because of the status of my victimhood, survivorhood, and suffering and safety in my particulars. My privacy must be protected. But their systematic abuse of tr treatment has bled me medically dry. I stated at intake last January, I don't want to do grievance work. 
I worked on the rehousing plan called quote unquote participation. I was, in, I was offered an in-program helper service early October. Instead of releasing the support to me, he, this entity, offered me a deadline of this week to have completed room duty without support and keeping on bringing up group homes. My independence in life is being taken away, flushed down the tubes, serious intentional antagonism and abuse. I'm priority populations. They're not quote unquote providing equity and restabilizing, but criminalizing and deprioritizing me. It's an equity program in their self-identity of who and what they serve. Through, the, through time, I've had many, many contacts and conferencing with the owner, that's the city county, letters from doctors, and in-person visit from my doctor, which leaves me in an accountability and or accessibility or equity no man's land with, with oodles to prove it. I can no longer talk to them. I did not sign up to do their work and their jobs too, and the city, county of Multnomah cannot keep doing this to me. I said, no, that's final. So Jen, thank you so much for your testimony. Um, I have staff in the back who are happy to um, talk to you about your specific problem. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lightning. I represent Lightning Super Creativity Humanity X Lab. What I'd like to discuss today is on the body-worn camera policy for the Sheriff's Department and the pilot program that my understanding is supposed to begin this month. Again, speaking directly to Chair Peterson, I would like you to give me a copy of that policy or one of your representatives so I can review it. And again, I did not hear any statements from any of the commissioners or the chair pertaining to that policy. And again, I wanna be able to review that and go over it. Second policy, if you could get me a copy, would be on the euthanasia policy at the Multnomah County Animal Services. Again, you were supposed to update that policy and I would like to have a copy of that to review to understand if that policy was followed when the young poodle, one-year-old poodle named Cloud was euthanized because of behavior issues and many volunteers tried to save the poodle's life and yet your manager still euthanize the poodle. I want to make sure that these policies are followed. I want to make sure these policies are very comprehensive and detailed so we have an understanding that if the policies are not followed, what you will do when they are not. And again, I haven't seen either one of those policies again, from the commissioners and the chair, you know that you can't do a pilot program on the body-worn cameras without a policy in place. It would almost be unheard of. Please get me a copy of that policy, possibly next week, be fine also, or one of your representatives. Thank you. Thank you. That is all for our public testimony today. 
And we also received, I don't think I mentioned, we received two written public testimonies today. Um, I will move on to R1. R1, authorizing settlement of the lawsuit Alexandra Johnson versus Multnomah County at all United States District Court case number 322CV00867 IM. May I have a motion? Commissioner Brim Edwards moves. Commissioner Beeson seconds approval of R1. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris Gilmore. Uh, I uh, am the attorney assigned to this case. Um, this is a case that originated in 2020, and um, both the parties engaged in settlement in January with uh, the uh, magistrate judge, Honorable um, uh, Mustafa Katsubai. Um, the parties came to a resolution that was supported by and recommended by Judge Katsubai. Um, and we're here uh, before you to seeking approval of that value, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you so much. Um, Marina, did we have any public testimony on this item? Um, yes, Lightning. Okay, if you wanna um, step back and then we'll bring you back up for board questions, thank you. Yes, my name is Lightning. I represent Lightning Super Creativity Humanity X Lab. I would like to ask that this is not approved today. I don't feel that you have given the public enough information for the public to be able to testify in a reasonable manner. I find it interesting that you put down the case number, but you don't have any documentation about the case. And you do this consistently. And when we pull up the agenda, the Multnomah County agenda, we expect to be able to have that information to where we can look at that case number. That information needs to be put in place for the public to have easy access to truly understand what this case is about, for the public to step forward and do communication in a manner that they have a clear understanding on what they're talking about. You consistently deny that information on these cases. I think it's intentional. I think your county attorney is intentionally denying the public to have access and a clear understanding of what these cases are truly about. Again, I'm asking that this not be approved today for the lack of information provided to the public which I accuse Multnomah County of intentionally doing on court cases that they have filed against them because they think that if the public has a clear understanding, this will bring in more lawsuits against the county. More lawsuits. Again, do not pass this. Do not pass this until you provide the proper information. 
to the public, which you are required to do by law. Thank you. We'll now go to the board for any questions or comments, and we'll start with Commissioner Beeson. Do you have any questions? I do not. Okay, Commissioner Brim Edwards. Okay, uh, Commissioner Myron. No questions. Okay, I don't have any questions either. Thank you, Marina. Can we have a roll call Thank vote? Thank you very much. Commissioner Myron? Aye. Commissioner Beeson? Aye. Commissioner Brim Edwards? Aye. Chair Vega Peterson? Aye. The settlement is approved. R2, authorizing the acquisition of real of certain real property for the Northeast Southeast 257th Drive Improvement Project situated in the city of Troutdale in East Multnomah County. Can I have a motion? Second. Commissioner Brenna Brim Edwards moves. Commissioner Beeson seconds. Approval of R2. Good morning. Good morning, Chair Vega Pearson and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Emily Militich. I'm with uh, the Department of Community Services Transportation Division. I'm an engineering services manager. And I'll pass it over to Courtney. Good morning, I'm Courtney Lords with the County Attorney's Office. We are here today uh, with a resolution which you have seen before you many times before. It's, an it's a resolution authorizing acquisition of certain real property interests. This time for the Northeast Southeast 257th Drive Improvement Project. Um, we are before you um, pursuant to TRS-01, federal and state law, and transportation is requesting authority to begin negotiations for the purchase of real property interests necessary for this project. There are 16 impacted properties. That means we will be looking to purchase temporary and permanent easements for this project. We um, have planned and located the, um, the project in a manner that is the most compatible with the greatest public good and the least private injury. And again, these property acquisitions are necessary for the project. With that, I'll turn it over to Emily to talk about specifics of the project. If there are any legal questions, I will be here to answer them. Thank you, Courtney. So the primary goal of the 257th project is to improve safety and comfort for uh, the people using the corridor. The improvements that uh, will require the right-of-way included in this project were driven by an extensive public outreach process, which included uh, mailers, focus groups with the the top five non-English speaking communities in the area, um, online open houses and walking tours. The aim of these public outreach efforts was really to identify first the concerns that, that the community had in transiting the corridor, and then to prioritize engineering solutions that would address those specific concerns. What resulted from those efforts was a handful of improvements that include lighting upgrades, installation of protected crossings, bus stop enhancements, and replacement of all of the curb ramps along the corridor that do not currently meet Americans with Disabilities Act standards. Um, as Courtney mentioned, there's a total of 16 uh, impacted properties that will be required for this project, 12 of which are temporary. With that, do you have any questions for me or Courtney? Thank you so much. We'll see if there are any questions from the board, but first, was there anyone signed up for public testimony? Uh, yes, Lightning. Okay, thank you. Uh, 
Yes, my name is Lightning. I represent Lightning Super Creativity Humanity X Lab. Again, out of the 16 property owners, if they say, keep your hands off my property, what are you going to do about it? Well, you're going to do eminent domain. You're going to come in and you're going to determine a price which you hope they agree upon. And if they tell you to keep your grubby hands off their property, what are you going to do about it? Off their private property, which they have private property rights, what are you going to do about it? We know what you're going to do about it. If they don't agree, you'll end up coming in with force and you will push them off their property. Now again, determining that value, how will you determine that value? You want them to voluntarily come to an agreement on a price and all parties are gonna walk away happy. Doesn't work like that in the real world with certain people who believe in property rights, private property rights. I'm asking all these 16 property owners to triple your price on your properties and demand that Multnomah County pay triple the amount to violate your private property rights. All of you join together and I think you'll get the price. I think you'll get that price. It's called the lightning price for the private property owners that are going to project their values out 10, 20, 30 years on the losses that they think they will take upon your low appraisals that you'll come in with your professionals to take over to commit eminent domain and then to use force to remove them off their properties for what you call the public good. Again, I'm asking for the public good that they get paid three times the current appraisal value and I want to see Multnomah County pay that and agree to pay that. And I think that's the right thing and the good thing to do. Thank you so much for your consideration. Thank you. Um, you're welcome back to come up and we'll see if there are any questions from the board. Um, Commissioner Remnick Edwards. No questions. Okay, uh, Commissioner Myron. Questions. Okay, Commissioner Beeson. None. All right. I don't have any questions either. Thank you for bringing this forward. Um, can we have a roll call vote? Commissioner Myron? Aye. Commissioner Beeson? Aye. Commissioner Brim Edwards? Aye. Chair Vega Peterson? Aye. The resolution is adopted. Thank you. Thank you. So that was a short and sweet meeting today. So we have um, time for announcements from the board. I did want to 
Um, just share that next week we're going to have an update on the 90 Del Fentanyl emergency to the board. So we'll um, look forward to that um, next week in our meeting. Um, and uh, wanted to, I'll have some more comments, but um, wanted to see Commissioner Beeson if you had anything. Thank you. All right. Uh, Commissioner Brim Edwards. I do, and I appreciate you um, raising the issue um, that would next week we'll have a, a briefing because it's been a week since the commission declared an emergency um, around fentanyl. And in a week, I haven't seen any uh, meaningful updates or changes. And if we are going to be declaring an emergency that we're putting the full force of the county resources against um, an issue that's really um, ruining and damaging lives all across the county every day that I would hope that um, this would be um, at top of our agenda. Um, I know last two weeks ago when we had a weather emergency, uh, it was all hands on deck for the um, county that we got daily updates. Um, and I would expect that going forward at our weekly meetings, the incident commander would come and give us a weekly update about what actions have been taken, um, where we stand, what the, what the goals are. Um, it, but that we don't just continue our normal course of business of having just um, a variety of agenda items and that we um, don't pay attention to and elevate something that we've all through the, our declaration of emergency um, we said is very important and that we're this is a we have, we have a very sharp focus on the county and that we're mobilizing our resources but um, we're not demonstrating that I think in our the way that we're reporting or getting information from the county. So I would I really hope that we could start incorporating that weekly. Um, it sounds like next week we'll have something that I hope that it becomes a weekly process through the, the 90 days so we can see where we, we are. Um, I know I've already gotten questions from a lot of people, um, especially in East Portland, around um, where the focus is, um, just given the, 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 the both the governors and the the city's focus on the central city, but people in East Portland wanting to know um, what the county is going to be doing to um, address what we've declared as a crisis. So yeah. thank you for considering that. Yeah. And any weeks that we don't, there will be a weekly written report that will go out to the entire, um, to the board, to me and the entire board, and we will have regular updates at, the, at our board meetings as well. Yeah, so I, we'll make sure that I that appreciate the so. written updates, but it will be also important for us to have an opportunity so back and forth about what, what it is that we're doing um, and have, have an opportunity to really understand and not only what the county is doing, um, because we, what we adopted was fairly generic without a lot of specific actions. Um, so I would hope we have more than um, just written reports. Mm -hmm. um, all right, uh, Commissioner Myron. Thank you. Um, I uh, have a few subjects that I just wanted to comment on, and uh, they include the fentanyl crisis. So I appreciate, um, uh, Chair, your uh, mentioning that next week there will be a report and that there will be some regular reporting. Uh, and I, I share Commissioner Brim Edwards uh, comments and thoughts that we need to ensure that these are 
uh, elevated in the and that there is an opportunity for a conversation about them. I had put together um, and am continuing to refine and circulate some of those critical elements. I believe we're uh, missing from the declaration of crisis last week, so they can best be addressed and figuring out what the mechanism is to um, address them. And they include a definition or description of any specific goal for the 90 days of the crisis period, any reference to measures of baselines, deliverables, or measures of progress. Um, you know, I would like to understand exactly, exactly the mechanism of the incident command structure because it is very defined and um, I feel like I, I'm not sure what's even happening with it. Um, I was going to ask for regular progress reports and any updates. Uh, so again, I appreciate your and Commissioner Brim Edwards mentioning that. And, you know, just reiterate how important the pre-planning could have been. And it feels that, again, almost two months after you and the governor and the mayor announced that there would be an announcement of a declaration of emergency, you know, there was sort of not much to happen then. And then the declaration came and we didn't see much happen, didn't have many de deliverables, if any, um, and really no visible change. And we could have been prepared, like after the declaration, we could have had, you know, the one pill kills communication strategy on buses, on billboards. We could have had an increased presence of maybe, you know, street responders to emergency, just something that shows yeah, this is an emergency. And, um, you know, I was, I've been very dismayed to not feel like anything's happening, um, even if perhaps it is. I also want to elevate what has been conspicuously absent from discussions and that I hope will be addressed um, publicly is the supply side of the equation because there's a lot of talk of you know what happens after it gets to the crisis point where someone is actually addicted or has taken fentanyl and overdose but in addition to the demand side there's the supply side and that is part of what's a great part what's at the heart of this problem and it's the fentanyl's ubiquitous it's dirt cheap easily accessible and it kills at the smallest of doses so i just like some reference to this and where that fits into the equation what's happening um and so uh you know and 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 who is representing the county and in the incident command because i guess the point person is no longer doing this work from the county. And so, you know, seven days after the declaration was announced. So I'm, I just feel somewhat confused and in the dark and hopefully some of that will be illuminated. Um, but sort of speaking along the lines of feeling like not much is happening regarding very important issues. Uh, I'd refer to the local mental health authority and 
about almost three weeks ago, I sent an email to the chair in this board, the governor, um, Oregon Health Authority Director Clark, and was expressing profound concern that we are not fulfilling our statutory responsibility as a board, as a local mental health authority. This is a big deal and it is urgent and it ties directly to everything that is a priority for everyone right now, including the fentanyl crisis, including this being a legislative, behavioral health being a legislative core priority. We're entering into the current budget with this being our priority. And yet no one has publicly acknowledged the four month deadline that Director Clark gave us for presenting a comprehensive plan and information. Um, we keep sort of, I see NOFAs issued and different projects being discussed with no meaningful connection to any plan or no plan at all, no baselines, no outcomes. Director Clark followed up very promptly and and still, to my knowledge, neither county leadership nor anyone from the health department has even responded to her as a courtesy to let her know we heard and were connecting. And many key leaders in behavioral health in the community who I speak with regularly have expressed they don't hear anything from the county relating to behavioral health. A number of them were saying, oh, we need to reach out to April Roman uh, to see if there's any change in anything. And I had to inform them that April Roman has not been with the county for at least a month, I believe longer. So I just wanna elevate the urgency here and um, express my dismay at what has not happened, but also, you know, note, um, I did offer to coordinate a meeting with the health department, the chair, the state behavioral health director, and I want to mention that again, and then also refer you to the budget note that was passed in last fiscal year's budget that I uh, sponsored to receive information and get a briefing, and I asked core questions about a mental health system of care strategic plan. And I have, I will send all of you that budget note, it's easily accessible, but it calls for, says, please provide the following information in one or more briefings to the board. A comprehensive behavioral health plan. What are we doing? It, tell us the last time this was submitted to the OHA, I believe that was 2011, and what we're doing in lieu. Please provide the board with a briefing on the current state of behavioral health care for Multnomah County, including statistics around those being currently served compared with estimated levels of need, what the continuum of care looks like for Multnomah County, including for adults, youths, and elders, what is the status of the county's behavioral health crisis system, and again, heard through the grapevine, this is going out and procuring and doing stuff when we don't even, I, I haven't heard anything about it, have asked for it clearly for months. Um, and it's urgently important. Said, what are current utilization rates in our county's community-based mental health program and what is the status? 
What is the county's interface with certified community behavioral health clinics, CCBHCs? What is the status of Multnomah County referral to CCBHCs? What is the status of Multnomah County's aid and assist system, including impacts of the Mossman decision? What specifically has the Behavioral Health Division been doing to build relationships and coordinate with Behavioral Health Resource Networks, or BURNS, under Measure 110? I also asked for identification of the ways the county has been connecting with the state around major behavioral health priorities, including adoption of 988 and Lines for Life, aid and assist, regularly scheduled meetings through the Oregon Health Authority, these are big deals, and um, I am curious when my budget note will be uh, addressed. And then two other things are EMS. After the fire chief wrote his strong letter, um, basically imploring the county to implement a staffing change that could allow for the to the one paramedic, one EMT system, allowing for more ambulances on our streets and better response to emergencies, I thought finally this will be action because some of the key concerns, I think that fellow board members and even chair, I think you mentioned, were the fact that, you know, you said fire did not respond to all life-threatening emergencies and sort of put out some statistics that, for anyone who under, you know, for people who kind of know about emergency medicine in any way um, and could e easily be verified, they said they were, they, our statistics were misleading. And the fire department has said repeatedly, we respond to all life threatening emergencies. And for many, feeling that there was an additional paramedic if we change to a one paramedic, one EMT response for ambulance staffing, if there was a fire paramedic on scene, that that would change the equation. And they have confirmed they are indeed on scene. And so I just don't know what, what it is that is holding us back from implementing the single action that could increase our response time and potentially save lives in the community. So I am considering if there are any avenues to approach this through formal action. I've tried with the ambulance service uh, plan and the formal submission. And, you know, we need to be doing everything in our power to get life-saving care to Multnomah County residents when they call in a crisis. So, um, I think that leads me to my final comment, which is about the time we spend in board meetings or the time we don't spend in board meetings. Um, I mentioned this a few weeks back when a board meeting was canceled after I think some board briefings had been canceled and coming on the tail of a year of canceling or not spending almost half the time allocated to board public discourse of, of canceling that and not having it available. And so it was interesting that, you know, just this week, the board meeting time we had for the briefing time on Tuesday and at a family emergency unable to attend. But 
that should not stop the, you know, our attendance, if we have a quorum available, the meetings should happen. So we had one hour spent on a library bond briefing and then an hour just not on anything when we need briefing on so much. And then today we had allocated board time of 10 minutes out of three and a half hours. And I, it's allowed me to make all these comments because we have so much time, but that is just not okay. And I'm curious what we are doing to ensure that it's not like we don't have emergencies and crises up the wazoo. So can we use our time to talk about these things, to engage with the public, to do anything other than cancel meetings? Um, that is my ask. And I think that that's, uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Iren. So I have a few comments. Um, that I wanted to share. Um, first of all, I wanted to share that last um, Saturday, I had a um, community budget town hall meeting um, that was um, extended, or it was a virtual meeting. Um, we, it was um, myself, um, our um, county economist, Jeff Renfo, our county budget officer, Christian Elkin. We had um, Joy Fowler from ODE. We had um, J.R. Lilly from the Office of Community Involvement and um, went through, and then uh, Tabitha Jensen from my office as well, um, ran through kind of a 101 on the county budget process on our financial out, um, outlook and really what we we're expecting for this as a way to um, garner public comment on our budget. Um, it was, um, it went really well and we have a recording of that um, that is available. So, you know, I feel like last weekend was really the, um, the start of a longer conversation that we're going to be having, um, now until June. Um, um, but in this part of it, we're really looking at, um, how we can get more community input into the development of my budget earlier on, because, um, it, you know, when we, when my budget is presented in April, it really is a very, um, fast pace for this board. And, um, we do have three virtual public hearings, or I'm sorry, three um, public budget hearings, some virtual, some in-person, and some hybrid. Um, but it's really important, I think, that we um, make sure that we're being inclusive. So folks can watch a recording of last Saturday's town hall, and um, as well as find a budget survey, um, which can be taken through March 31st. There is a new um, budget page for the chair's office, so the link is up there on the screen right now. Um, so I encourage folks to, um, to go ahead and fill out the survey or to look at the recording. Um, it's, it's a really good primer, I think, on how our budget works. Um, I also wanted to announce that my office and I are bringing a little bit more love into the world next week. So on February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, there is going to be a Love Day event from 3 to 5 at the Multnomah County Central Courthouse. Um, you know, I have had um, some conversations with some folks and learned that um, sometimes the fees that people need to pay in order to get married, to get their marriage license and to get married can be a barrier for people who want to get married and wed. Um, so um, there was, we organized um, a perfect opportunity to 
get involved to work with the offices of Judge um, Shanpone Sinlapse and um, Portland Commissioner Carmen Rubio to cover the fees for 50 couples who are excited to get married on Love Day on February 14th. Um, so there's several people already signed up. There's still room for more. I am very excited. I'm going to be um, officiating the first marriage that is gonna take place that day. Um, so if anyone here or watching knows of a couple who'd like to take advantage of this um, free opportunity to get married, please have them contact my office at malt.chair at maltco.us um, and we'll make sure that they get signed up. Um, so, and this is gonna be happening, as I said, Wednesday afternoon at the courthouse. Um, I also wanted to respond a little bit to some of the comments. So we did give updates. Um, I was able to share the updates on the 90-day fentanyl update. So I said, you know, we'll have regular um, board updates, but there will also be weekly updates that, that this board and myself will, um, will expect. Um, uh, Commissioner Myron, to your point about the, um, the board briefings, I appreciate you bringing that up. That is a conversation that I had with my staff just last week about when all of those remaining board budget notes and, and um, board briefing updates were gonna get on the calendar. So we are calendaring out, um, there's three remaining ones. One is an update on FUSE, one is an update on the contracting management, um, and then one is the, the mental health update that you read out um, today. And so those, are, those will be, um, scheduled and delivered before we this board starts our budget deliberations for next year, because I think it's important to get those done beforehand. Um, and then I wanted to um, just respond, you know, we, we often, I think it is important to have these meetings. I think it's always important for people to have um, public comments. I think, um, as I explained to this board, even before the one meeting um, was not scheduled because we had um, uh, somebody who had to move their, their um, their material or the the two-hour presentation that they had scheduled for that day that is that is something that I do not want to do so um even today when we had a short ad agenda of actual budget business I mean of actual board business I did want to make sure that we had opportunity for public comment and for board conversation and that's something that I will continue um, as I said that one day was really in a, an, a, a big aberration because um, we had something scheduled that that was moved um, but I do you know I think uh, one of the things that I'm working on with my team is really under really making sure that we are scheduling um, uh, not just the board meetings, but the board briefings to have time to both um, take in the information that is being presented, but to also have discussion for the board on, on the topics um, and really making sure that we're not over scheduling. I will say when commissioners are not here, when commissioners are you know, either at conferences or, or, or you know, out of town or, or whatever, it does make it harder to, um, because we have to make sure that for things that are, I think, um, some of the top issues or things that we want to make sure that we have, you know, broad um, board um, um, engagement in, we we then end up, you know, having to push things to one board meetings where it gets very very full, and that is something that, you know, I think even later this month we're having like a meeting on the 22nd that is really chocked full because we needed to make sure everybody was going to be here um, for some of these things. So we're working to balance it, but it's also, you know, also making sure that people are doing their utmost to be here, um, you know for these meetings and for the briefings is, is very helpful. And I do appreciate you being here virtually, Commissioner Myron, because I think we do have that option. Um, now since COVID, we've been able to stretch and grow in that way, and that does make a difference. So I just wanted to share um, all of that, but I appreciate your, your comments and look forward to, to further updates and um, conversation. So. Good question. One of the things, since we have time, um, I'm hoping we have a further discussion just about our format. Um, 
of our discussion because I feel like for and and just the timing of materials. Um, and I'm just going to go back to the the rent assistance, huge topic. We've got a $135 million investment in rent assistance. We got the materials at the last minute, and then. Um, we had public comment, and then we again came down to we have three minutes to like ask questions. Um, just not at all adequate, and I feel like one of the things for the county to get back on track and to have the confidence and the trust of the community is um, when we have big topics, we need to talk about it in public and have the opportunity to take a deeper dive and not be you know submitting questions that we then get answers to or not have answers to our to our questions. Um, so I, I would hope we have more of a discussion. This is more like how we do our work. Um, and, you know, I just think the, the, the disconnect from the community um, that, I, that I get from people of like, you know, we've got all these crises happening. The county has a key role and you only meet twice a week for two hours, you know, or three, um, depending if, if we have a meeting. And by not having our meetings in public by not having sort of the pressure testing of like what, what we're doing and it I think leads to a disconnect with our community about whether we're actually doing something or the effectiveness of our actions and I would hope we we've discussed this somewhat in um, our retreat and our other discussions but I hope that we are thinking about ways in which um, we can um, change our format to to elevate the big issues of the day, and it, it may be fine, there may be some meetings that are just completely, we have routine issues, but I don't think we're in routine times, so just doing things how we've always done it seems inadequate. And I'm concerned about the budget process, the, the conversation when we get to the budget is gonna be a fast pace, it's like, well, it better be fast enough, better be also at a pace that we actually get the materials in advance, that we have an opportunity to fully ask our questions, to see the data, um, so I hope before we get into the budget process, we could talk about how how we do our work together, because I think that actually makes um, the county stronger and also um, demonstrates sort of the transparency and accountability that people would expect from the county when they're paying fairly high taxes. Yeah, appreciate that. And I, we will be spending a lot of time in this room during the budget session, because um, that's that's really what it takes is us you know, make, being able to make the commitment to be here and to and hear that because um, I know that's what we want to hear and that's you know our ability to get the information from the department. So we can continue that conversation. I appreciate you raising that. All right, um, appreciate the conversation today. That um, concludes today's regular board meeting and there being no further